So I just found out. I just found out that I'm getting uh, published. Published. I have a. I have a poem that's getting published in a literary journal, and I don't know how to react to that. We're on a podcast. Create for no reason, and then I get that I get published in an actual physical copy literary journal poem getting published, and I'm like, nah, that's cool. That's the reason now. That's that's it. I'm only going to write. <laughs> If I get published from now on. (laughs) Create for No Reason is your weekly dose of courage to stop making excuses and start bringing your ideas to life. That's so exciting. Isn't that great? Oh, very cool. It's so exciting. I can't, I can't, I can't. I can't wait. I'll I'll post a copy to make myself feel important uh, in our Facebook community as soon as I get the copy, which will be mid July. Um, Yay! Yeah, that's oh my super gosh. Cool. Yeah, it's so cool. that's, I'm more excited about that than the book. I don't know why. I it's 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 more of an external. No, I got all sorts of external validation from the book. I don't know. I don't know why. It's like a younger me. It's like 18-year-old me that's like about fucking time, Sean. Like <laughs> why have you not been playing that game and getting published? Um so I think that that's what it feels like is is instead of it being that oh it took so long or whatever it's like no, you know what? Like you did you, you did it. I don't like you decide you're going to run a marathon when you're 16 and then you don't run a marathon until you're 50. Who cares? <laughs> you ran a marathon. Like that's rad. <laughs> That's just amazing. That's just amazing. But you, but, and this is the conversation we have around you put in all of that work this whole time so that you created work that this publication said, yeah, let's do it. Although I would argue that they would have picked it up way sooner if you ever would have submitted it. If I would have got my shit together. (laughs) and that's okay and you did now so (laughs) this is the year i told you this was going to be a good year for you because your birthday was on monday my birthday is on monday this is your year this is your year sean (laughs) this is it this This is is your year sean you're gonna learn how to surf yeah which i'm excited which i'm excited to do John's going through a midlife crisis. I've been going through a midlife crisis since like (laughs) 1998. So yeah, I'm trying to not go through. I'm trying just to, just to live instead of analyze uh, your living. We talk about that a lot. Just being present, noticing, just being alive instead of constantly trying to understand why I'm alive. That couldn't be exhausting after a period of time so out of your head and into your feelings and just do so i'm very excited out of your head into your feelings out of your head into your feelings into your feelings go do other things i love it how how is how are your uh, creative pursuits going kate woman i mean i'm not going surfing and (laughs) does that count as a creative pursuit yes yeah, absolutely. absolutely. It does. Yeah. Absolutely it does. Um my oh I, mine's great. I've been writing more. I even oh you'll love this. I have a little I I called Sean the other day. I said, I envision this image in my book and I have to talk it through and I drew it out. I am not a I can't draw. And I drew it out. And so I have it. I have the image in my draft of the book that I'm looking at just so it like to just, I need to see it. I need mm-hmm. to see it. And so I was getting excited about that. And then yeah, you are I, going to include this image in your book, right? Well, I'm going to, I want to take the image and I, what I really would love to do is find someone cool, like maybe Sean who mm. can actually draw. And I don't know. I think I want to, I want just the Kate drawing. I don't think I want the other ones. I, I want know. the excited, I just put my brain down on paper. I want that drawing. That's the one I want to see. I don't know. We'll have to see how that goes. But, <laughs> um, but it has been, but it, it's been cool. And I've been doing more. I've been doing some more reels on Instagram, which have been really fun. And I also, this Saturday starts, 
the poetry workshop that I signed up for. That's awesome. That I am, I said to this man, I am so nervous to take this poetry class because I will probably be one of the, I will probably be one of the more newer. You're going to be fantastic. You're going to hear so much trite, like, like some say love. I mean, you're going to hear just like, (laughs) you're going to get in there and, and share examples and get into like the, like the metaphors and the similes. Like it's going to be amazing. You already do that. And they're going to be, Oh, wow. Yeah. You're right. Kate. Love is like pancakes. It'll be great. Well, that's what you say. That's what you do. That's your brain. No, you're you, okay. 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 Who are we, who are we, who are we talking to today? You got, uh, you called me and you're really excited and I'm being really lazy and not looking at my notes. So now I'm oh, asking okay. you That's to tell okay. us who we're That's talking all right. to. So first of all, another awesome congrats on your big wins. Cause I, I'm really, ex- Sean is dancing around for those that can't See him. So good. I'm so excited for you, Sean. I feel like there's something that's been like unlocked in you and it's very, it makes me very happy. Okay. So today we are talking to Jeff McMahon and here's the deal about Jeff. He's such a cool guy. And for so many years, he toured with Tim McGraw, which is so cool. And I asked him, I said, Jeff, send me a couple bullet points of how you actually like to be introduced. Like who is Jeff? Right. And so I always love when people share. So he had asthma as a kid that kept him home, which is why he got into playing the piano. Wait, this is the bullet point that he gave oh, you. This is the, is these that, are the bullet points. Oh, this he is so great. All right. Kept him home and at the piano, he learned to sing harmonies by bouncing tracks between cassette decks. So remember those cassette decks? Um, early musical collaborations were jazz band in junior high and high school and numerous high school musicals. He began creating his own music in high school and he sang every day with his college roommates through college. So trios, quartets, band production, you name it. And he had the I'm picturing them harmonizing in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mr. Sandman. <Yeah. laughs> Bring me a dream. <laughs> so yeah, he so he he had he played on a bunch of number one songs, including Real Good Man, Watch the Wind Blow By, Live Like You Were Dying, Back When, Last Dollar, Southern Voice, and has contributed to chapters of the second edition to Tug McGraw's audio uh, Tug McGraw. Oh Oh, Tim McGraw's audio biography, You Gotta Believe My Roller Coaster Life as a Screwball Pitcher and Part-Time Father and My Hope-Filled Fight Against Brain Cancer. He is a marathon runner and a coach, and he's actually right now working to develop new artists. So he's really excited to help new artists get their music out into the world. So he's a really cool human. This is great. Um, before he joins, because I'm going to lie or pretend like I know, um, I don't, I, I, I don't know Tim McGraw like even a little bit. I mean, I know who it is. I think I can picture a man in a cowboy hat. Is that right? That's right. That is- <laughs> and he's and he's not a larger man in a cowboy hat. That would be no. uh, that would be Garth Brooks. Um, he's the other man in a cowboy hat. No, I'm really excited. I might put us on mute. Like when you guys are just going at it, cause you probably will be just talky, talky, talky. I'll be like, Oh, okay. Time for me to listen to these parts on Tim, Tim McGraw. No, that sounds amazing. I love I, like marathon runner and he's going to be uh, helping other artists get started. That's amazing. Oh yeah. Um, let's. Uh... And I'm excited because at the end of the episode, we are going to share one of his songs, one of his original songs that he is going to send over and. Oh, that's fantastic. He's going to send it to us and we'll put it on the episode. Yeah. Man, I bet he wrote the song for you, Kate. Let's just say that that's true right now. And then we won't correct ourselves when we play it. 
And by the way, we don't know what it is. So it could be, it could be like a revenge song. Uh, <laughs> and we hear it. All right, let's get on here. Hey, hi, Jeff. <laughs> hello, hello. <laughs> what oh a great my gosh. Jeff, you yes, are man. so awesome. And I'm so thankful that you have joined us on our fun podcast today. Well, of course. I'm I we're friends. I don't I don't get to choose these things anymore. <laughs> are you hearing me okay, hon? I can't tell. Yeah. Do you, you hear good? us all right? Yeah, yeah. All right. Yep. Awesome. No, I, I I knew we could hear you well when I could hear the subtle, quiet uh, chuckle like that. <laughs> oh well, it's like yeah, it sounds perfect. I don't I don't know how subtle I am, but you know, <laughs> that's all right. Kate can probably attest to that. I've a okay. Oh my gosh, calling me. Well, Jeff. But yeah, I kind I kind of have a a very tender smack you in the face way of handling certain things i guess <laughs> so i respond warm, well to that too so a warm piece of steak <laughs> yeah, slap, yeah, slap. yeah oh my gosh jeff i'm so excited to talk to you i so jeff and i met on clubhouse and it's been such a pleasure getting to know you on that app so this is the first time i'm kind of like actually seeing you not in person but somewhat in person which well, is fun yeah, but that well, that's true. But uh, you know, I listened to some of your earlier episodes, and we and we all know that you really don't know me as a result of this. You know, I'm just this is I'm I'm on my way to being Jeff, but this isn't Jeff. You know. Ooh, I'm on my way to being Jeff. Yeah. Well, no, that's Absolutely. what y'all were. That's what y'all were talking about in your, yes! in your podcast. Yep. Oh yep. my gosh, I love it. Yes, yeah. and it's. It's true. And that's why I, you know, it's so funny because Jeff reached out to me and messaged me after we were in a room together on Clubhouse. And the message that he sent me, I immediately thought, Jeff needs to be on our podcast because I can't believe I didn't think this before because we're so like minded. The way that you talk about process and the craft and practice and your history and what you've done and, and, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is perfect for our show. And I was so excited to introduce you to Sean because hello, we just, this we could talk about this all day and to have someone like you who has such an interesting career in the arts, I am so excited we get to talk to you. So what, wait, what was the message? What was the exactly, message? Exactly. That's what I want to know. Oh, that's yeah. what I want to know. You were like, here's the message. I'm like, she's going to say, she's going to say, no, she's not going to say. She's going to say, she's going to say, um, the message I see now I have to pull it up because the message was around how I shared in the room. I shared that I wrote a, a, I wanted to write a book. So I wrote this book and I finished it. And then when I was finished with the book, I said, oh, this is not good. And, and so it kind of, I had to start over and oh, he said, so he oh, wrote yeah, me yeah, yeah. and said, my favorite thing yeah. from this morning was how you talked about writing a book and discovering at the end that it wasn't good. I hope that resonated with so many people because at the end of the day, it's just practice and grownups don't like to practice anymore. I love recognizing the values and going through the process. I just saw, um, I just saw wire. It's something we see every day, but most people don't. So I thought, oh my gosh, that's why I was like, this is what our podcast is so much about. And I love when you talk about process, Jeff. And so before we get into all process and practice and everything, why don't you share? I, I gave a little intro. You sent me some great bullet points. I gave a little intro, but why don't you share just so people can get some context around the conversation we're going to have today around your career path, just like a highlight version of of who you are, because it's really extraordinary what you've done. You know, that's so funny because first of all, I remember that message now, but I thought you were talking about when we actually first met and, um, but no, I remember Ooh, I don't know what those messages were. writing, writing <laughs> that the book. That sounds great um, too. 
it it may be i'd have to uh we'd have to go back and look at that but but no i mean it's so funny because you talk about you talk about you know my extraordinary career and all that and and honestly i I often don't view it that way. I mean, I've, I've gotten to do some cool things, but, you know, being in the music industry and, you know, I worked with big artists and dig big stages and all that, but I worked really hard to not get sucked down that rabbit hole of believing all of that hype while it's happening. Um, honestly, I don't know if I could have believed it anyway, because I, you kind of have to choose to believe, you know, that everybody's screaming for you in the moment. And a lot of people do choose to believe that. I just was not very good at believing it. Um, you know, they're not screaming for me. First of all, they're screaming for the artist and they might not be screaming for the artist's song. They might be screaming because he just took his jacket off. <laughs> and, and then I can see everybody in the front row and it's awesome. And the room is sold out, but I can see the people on the front row and they're singing the wrong words to a song that was number one for the last two months. <laughs> so some of them, some of it's authentic. Some of that appreciation is authentic. And I don't think I stink at what I do, but I also know that you can't believe the people that love everything you do and you can't believe the people that hate everything you do. Um, as a kid, I played the piano. I ran two and three and four mile races with my dad and I hung out in the coffee shop. And today I was playing piano on clubhouse and I've run six marathons in my life. And I had breakfast at the coffee shop and that yes. was today. So, <laughs> so it really doesn't feel so different, but I mean, but to your point, I mean, I, I grew up playing music. I wound up kind of getting my first real peer support for that music when I was in college. And that was really exciting and encouraging. Started playing in bands then was going to do it for a hobby, looked for jobs based on my degree, but my music was more successful at the time. So I just kind of rode that horse for a while and it led to another opportunity and another opportunity and another opportunity. So I got to work for uh, Tim McGraw, who's a big country singer, which I know Sean loves because he's such a country music fan. And... <laughs> and <laughs> Just, just, I, he's, he's listened to everything I've done over and over <laughs> and over and over. What did you, did you two of you um, have a conversation before this? No, you, you, you were talking about it in one of your podcasts. Oh my God. You know? oh. That's the thing, dude, I, I'm in the, I'm in the entertainment business too with cell phones and YouTube and all this kind of stuff. Now it's out there. You just got to be ready. <laughs> you know? I, d I still do two things from when I was a kid. I practice and I do homework. So yeah. it's just, it's just part of it. But um, no, it was minutes before you came on and I thought, okay, I'm going to put you guys on mute and go listen to Tim McGraw while you're talking to each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that I said, I'm trying to picture him. Uh, he's not the heavy set country guy. Right. And he says, no. And I was like, oh yeah, that's right. That's, uh, that's Garth Brooks. Uh, this is another guy. So yeah. No, but I, well, yeah. the truth is I actually love, I, I've, I've grown to love country music because of, I think it was M Malcolm Gladwell had yeah. a podcast about storytelling. Yeah. And he said the music that does story, that does storytelling really well is country music. The rest of it's like horoscopes right? where it just sort of is vague and talks about, you know, like love is like sunshine or something, but country music has real stories to it. Anyways. Well, no, me I mean, that, that is, better that is certainly the, the evolution of it all. Um, and you know, and I mean, this is kind of a, a side road here, but, um, depending on what kind of music you do like, you know, iPhones and the ability to play a song on demand and create your own playlists 
has changed the music a lot because um, the the pop fans want to be on the playlist that the top country artists are on. And the country artists want to be on the same playlist as the pop artists on, because if you've got 7 million fans and I got 7 million fans, maybe we can get 14 million fans. So that, I mean, I don't know who makes those decisions and I don't even know if this is true. I, you know, I, I often say I'm never right, but always certain, but, <laughs> um, but it just makes sense to me that that's why you would wind up with, with some of the production quality on a country song that makes it sound better set next to, you know, uh, you know, a pop record and vice versa. So you can mm -hmm. playlist them together. They can listen. Okay. Together. And, um, and you wind up with loops and country songs and everything. So it, it just increases the exposure for all of that. So I think that's probably why you're also finding more country music that mm -hmm. you're more open to because it's changing shape a little bit. Yeah. Well, did you start off, you mentioned in college where you sort of came into your own, you started playing together. Did you start off thinking this is a particular type of music that I like, or you just loved music and whatever it was that you would play? No, I did. Um, I I was involved in everything for, for a couple of reasons. One, when I grew up, um, and this sounds like back in my day, I had to walk <laughs> uphill both ways. Our guitars had two in strings. In the snow. <laughs> but, um, uh, but no, I mean, when I was a kid, um, I was a mile and a half from, or an hour and a half from the closest record store. So as far as a big record store, Sound Warehouse at, was what we had at that time. And uh, I lived in a small town north of Dallas. So my dad, to his credit, um, would uh, take me to the record store like once a month. And I would walk out with six or seven record albums at a time. Mm -hmm. And then there was still a rack at the grocery store that you could buy eight tracks out of. Um, but my dad listened to everything. You know, he brought home Emmylou Harris, B.B. King, Genesis, Boston, Fleetwood Mac. It was all over the place, but it was all good. It was all yeah, that's solid, all fantastic, solid yeah. music. Yeah. Um. So I was exposed to everything, and then as a kid with one high school in our town, if I was going to exercise musically. I didn't know a guitar player. I, you know, there weren't that many people around. So I had to do everything. I did the jazz band in junior high and high school. I was in the musicals in high school. I sang barbershop quartet competitions. Barbershop I mean, quartet. It, we were just talking about that. Yeah. Oh, I'm, Hey, I'm right there. You know, goodbye, my Coney Island, baby. <laughs> oh, Farewell, my, my own true love, true love. <laughs> Well, never and what see you any, never gonna see you any. I'm gone. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I did. I did all that. But it was just anything that was going on musically, I just tried to to exercise and, and flex in it. I mean, I was learning how to sing harmonies in junior high school because I would sing into a cassette deck, rewind it, play it while I would record that onto a second cassette deck and You're sing doing a multiple second tracks part using oh, cassette wow. deck. You know, I mean, that's how I learned how to figure out harmonies as a kid. Now, the the end product was not very good quality wise, but I figured it out, you know, so that's kind of how I learned. So I just it wasn't about country music. It was about everything. And then when I was yeah. in college singing in bands, my band sang Restless Heart songs, which was a real popular country uh, vocal group at the times. And we sang Huey Lewis songs. Which Huey same Lewis. Yeah. Um, and then my roommates and I, my roommates and I in college, I mean, this is really what launched it all. Um, I went to college and found out that I had driven two and a half hours from my hometown and everything that was uncool was now cool, which was culture shock. It's, that's uh, interesting. Like, uh, what do you, what do you mean? Like uncool and then cool. I mean, in my hometown, we didn't have MTV yet. So people oh. were not were not aware of the fact that all the bands that you dig have piano players in them. Mm -hmm. So in my hometown, it was kind of like, 
Oh, you play piano? Well, that's not cool. Oh, you sing vocals? St- oh, that's not cool. I mean, I had friends that I sang stuff with, but yeah, but on a broad scale, it was not the coolest thing. But then I went to Baylor University, which was a large school, and there were people from big cities that had already had MTV for a year, and they had seen big quality productions, and they went to concerts and and all that stuff. So all of a sudden there were people that like were into what I was doing. Yeah. Which was weird. Yeah. Um, but I'm not, not go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just saying, not just Billy Joel, not just Elton John, but you've got amazing keyboard players with, well, Huey Lewis in the news, Jake Isles band. There's a bunch of them at that time coming out. That's just amazing. Oh yeah. 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 And a lot of people had keyboard players that, I mean, you might see on TV, but only at midnight on Friday at the, on the midnight special mm-hmm. yeah. or on Don Kirshner's rock concert on Saturday nights, <laughs> because if they were doing the variety shows, they were doing it to tracks. They didn't all have their bands on stage, mm-hmm. you know? So you just didn't, you just didn't see it all. Um, Do you think this is something you were, you sort of were, were, were born because you it sounds like so early on you you navigated to this you're playing with eight tracks you're learning i mean eight tracks you're playing with the cassettes you're harmonizing because even when you said like the end result and i'm thinking well the end result's you and that's pretty fantastic right uh in the end end but what was it something you just sort of built in like what did what did you get out of it from from that early of an age instead of running around doing something other than playing music well, I think, um, I mean, clearly, I mean, part of it was just the, the, the result of having made the thing, you know, I mean, I knew that like when I was bouncing tracks around, I knew that, um, I mean, I knew if I was succeeding at finding the parts, I, I could hear that stuff. Um, if I was trying to pick out something by ear, then successfully doing it, um, realizing that I was now playing the song and the record player wasn't running. So I had figured out part of it. The accomplish of that, you know, was, was, was something. Um, and part of it, I mean, was, was, a kind of a backhanded opportunity that I had as a kid, cause I had asthma pretty bad as a kid and participated in lots of things. It didn't slow me down every day, but it slowed me down some days mm-hmm. and, and a, a lot of days. And on those days back then there weren't video games. You didn't have all the TV options and I was at home trying to breathe so the skills I sharpened, which are the skills I use most days now, were all the soft skills, reading, writing. I'm really strong with English. Uh, I've edited some books and I could sit at the piano uh, in hours on end and, um, and occupy myself. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I don't mean to minimalize it as if that's all I was doing, just occupying myself. But uh I wasn't as tempted by some of the things that would take me away from it because I had to be able to breathe to do those things. And right now I just need to kind of keep my cool and stay chill and I could do that. So, um, I mean, that would pass eventually. And by that time I'd kind of gotten some momentum and stayed with the music at that time. But at a young age, I'm sure that that kind of fed, fed the willingness to sit behind the keys. So when you were, when all this was happening, I love that you said that because it reminds me of when, when people talk about how we can't be bored anymore. Like people just don't even have the patience to be bored because we have our phones, we have access to everything and how, when you are allow yourself to be bored, you can come up with that sense of play. So as you're talking, I'm like, how did you know what to do, like how to explore music the way that you explored it. Did you have a mentor? Did you have people that you talked to about this? It sounds like you just were in your house kind of playing and figuring these things out, but is there somebody that you were able to look to, to kind of figure out how to play with music the way that you created? 
Um, you mean tactically or like inspirationally? Both. Um, well, tactically, my mom played piano. Now, my mom played very differently than I play. I mean, if if there was not a piece of sheet music in front of her, nothing was going to happen. Um, she played specifically in that vein where I took lessons and did some of that stuff and, and early on was picking things out by ear, um, cheating for lack of a better word, because I could, I wasn't like a prodigy or anything like that. But if I, if I knew what the end result was supposed to be, I could take a shortcut on what, what I was trying to read on the paper and I didn't have to figure it out from scratch. Mm. Um, now I would say inspirationally, um, my dad bringing home all the music, taking me two hours to go see Billy Joel and Neil Diamond and Genesis and all that stuff. Jackson Brown. I mean, his claim to fame was in 1979, we were in the upper second balcony watching the Eagles long run tour and everybody was throwing a Frisbee through the arena. And if you caught it and held it too long, everybody would boo because the concert <laughs> hadn't started yet. So, cause you had to put it back in motion. Right. So my dad caught the Frisbee and he flings the Frisbee from the upper second balcony and it sails across and it takes an arc and it starts to go down and it hits a cop that's walking down the middle aisle on the floor <laughs> in the back and everybody screams. And my dad throws his arms up as if he just did it on purpose. <laughs> but, uh, but no, so, I mean, I got exposure to a lot of the, the, uh, excitement and joy of, of playing music just from being present mm -hmm. for all of those things. You know, my dad, took me two hours when I was a kid to buy my first synthesizer, you know, which was two hours away and, um, you know, taught me a huge lesson even then, even though he was not a keyboard player or anything. Um, I always remember this. Um, we bought a, a, a heavy duty anvil flight case with padding in it that you would put the synthesizer in to protect it, which I see so many people, you know, have a guitar without a case, have a keyboard, but they have something mm. cheap. And my dad taught me that first day his first piece of gear I ever had like that. If we can't afford the case to take care of it, we can't afford the gear, oh. you oh, know, wow. which, which was tremendous as I would eventually try to pursue it professionally. Um, but yeah, that was, that was where a lot of the, the, the drive to do it. And then in high school, um, I mean, there is something to be said for um, realizing that you have a knack yeah. for, for whatever the thing is. I mean, I didn't know to what degree. I didn't really have people to compare myself to, um, but it, it was clear that I was flexing a, a muscle for something that I haven't had an affinity for, and it's easy to kind of want to invest in that more i think was for yeah me anyway, that's so. your yeah. zone of genius it's like so. your zone of it's your zone of genius when you just get lost in it every time you talk about your journey and music and how you create you you get i get lost in listening to you talk about it you can tell how much you <laughs> love it it's almost like looking back or hearing the hearing how you how you created your career. It's like, Oh yeah, you were destined to be a musician. I mean, it was already written in the cards based on how you talk about it and the way that you felt about it and feel about it. It reminds uh, me Marcus yeah, Buckingham when he talks about strengths and how strengths aren't necessarily the thing that you're good at. They're the thing that fortify you or strengthen you when you do them. And then you kind of become good at them. But like when you talk about being able to to play by ear or to pick up a song, my son can do that. And I think for a long time, he just figured other people could do it too if they just sat down and tried to do it. Mm -hmm. um, 
but it, you found something that fortified you, that strengthened you. And you're like, all right, these are weights that I like lifting. So I'm going to keep lifting these weights. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's true uh, to a certain point, but I also can remember how many times I've been told by someone that's 20, 22, 25. Oh yeah. I took lessons for a couple of years, but then I quit, man, I, I wish I hadn't quit. Mm. Dude, you're 30. I mean, if you, if you take lessons for 20 years, you're, you know, a lot better at 50 and, and you can play. Um, but I would also say that, um, as far as the career part, um, my, my, the career part, the things that have helped me kind of, uh, generate more opportunities is the fact that I'm, I'm really good at being collaborative. Mm. Um, whether it was playing in musicals, uh, recognizing that this is your song, mine will come later. Um, I, I mean, it's all kind of looking backwards and kind of seeing how the pieces fit together. And maybe I'm kind of making them fit, but um, I played right field in baseball. You know, we won the championship when I was 14, rah, rah for me. But, um, <laughs> but I played right field. When the ball came to me, when I was called upon to do my part, I had my part to play, but I didn't have to be the lead singer. I didn't have to be the lead guitar player that's out on the front thing with all the flames going. I was still not only content, but um, I, I valued the idea of, of being a, a part of the whole. Um, mm. And, you know, I've done things of my own, but I was never unhappy being in a band and being a part of that band or being part of a doubles team playing tennis or um, being the, the man behind the curtain uh, for a younger artist that they're kind of getting some attention. And boy, I remember when I got attention like that, you know, and I mean, that doesn't bother me or, or co-modding a room on clubhouse. I mean, you know, I mean, it's, I think a lot of those things that I learned along the way um, helped as much as any skill I developed that was truly musical in nature. Oh, I, I love like that. that. that it yeah, reminds me. Yeah. Go, go. Yeah. Oh no, go ahead. No, no, no. Just when you mentioned the musical, I like, that was a, um, it's a really simple thing, but you know, when, uh, uh, you have people that are in their first musicals or they're on stage and they feel like they have to react or overreact to everything. So everybody thinks they're acting the entire time when a lot of the time they're just supposed to stand still while the other person mm. sings. They're like, no, I have to react to how great their singing is or do something like that. Like you play, a, you play a part. And if, and if you're not there, it doesn't work, even though you're just standing there or even though you're just sort of giving your energy to it and making it happen. Um, same thing with, with, all the parts that you played uh, kind of pushing into the pushing into the hole. I love, I, I, I love what you said. It's really, it's really beautiful. And it's well, cool it's when you think about the creative, like when, when you can collaborate with people, they have their zone of genius and you have your zone of genius. And then when you can come together and it makes something so powerful and each person can be, satisfied sitting in whatever place that they're meant to be in for that project. That's amazing because then, you know, you have bands that that's not the case, right? Like ego gets in the way. And when you shed that ego, that creativity is what is front and center, nothing else. It's just the, this is the role that I played and I'm going to play that role as best as I can to create something so amazing that we wouldn't be able to do without the collaborative effort. And you can sense that in your work, Jeff, and the way that you talk about it. And even as we were chatting yesterday around how passionate you are to help other people with their work, to get out their projects, to collaborate with them in you're the behind the scenes guy helping to get their 
voice out, their music out, whatever their genius is. And that is exciting because you've had such an interesting career. You have so much, so many skills that will be able to play into so many different people. And you were so excited. In fact, I called Jeff to say, hey, come on our podcast. And he's like, oh, we can do this show about the girl that I'm working with. I'm like, wait, no, let's do the show about you. (laughs) Well, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, the, the things that I kind of get charged up about building are not always my things, you know, it's, it's just building things. Um, yeah. And, uh, and a lot of times, you know, you know, one of the things Sean was talking about, you know, at, you didn't use the word restraint, but that was the word that kind of came to mind um, where you don't, uh, you know, you don't always have to be the, the loudest voice in the room. You don't have to always be the center of attention. You don't have to do all that because a lot of times whatever you're trying to create is not really well served by that. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. I mean, I, I remember, I mean, this is kind of off topic, but it makes the point. Um, there was, I met a little girl on the road on tour that she was six and she had a brain tumor and I befriended her on the road. And, uh, cause I was working with a brain tumor charity at the time and we wound up, I only met her one time, but we wound up communicating online and I would contribute to her project in the same way. I mean, I didn't really think of it in these terms until right now, but, but in the way that served the song, she had like, people would email her on one of those chat boards and they, her name was Hannah. And, uh, and they would say, Oh, Hannah, you're such an inspiration. We're thinking of you, you know, it's, you know, you're so strong. And And I'm thinking that's great. And she is exceptionally intelligent, but she's an exceptionally intelligent six-year-old. So I'm writing these messages like, dear Hannah, 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 Fofana, Banana, Banana, Bobana, me, my, mo, mana, (laughs) Hannah, love Jeff. And I'm typing these in these (laughs) chat boards and stuff. So, um, uh, so long story short, um, there are various stories that go with that, but the musicals piece of that story was that when, when her end was inevitable, she planned her own going away party and she wanted me to come play at her going away party. So where she was going to take her pink transporter to her new school in heaven And would I come play for this party? So I said, yeah, of course I'll I'll come play for the party. And she wanted me to play raindrops keep falling on my head because that was her favorite song. So uh, just at the end of the tour, uh, she left and I flew from wherever we were. I want to say DC to Kansas to play for her party. And of course I had to explain to everybody because nobody knew who I was. And I was like, well, I'm the guy that writes all the crazy messages and, and all the stuff. And that was me. And I played the song and the preacher came up to me afterwards. And he said, I cannot say enough about how you delivered that song. He said, it is so great that you, are a professional and you understand what needed to happen. He said, because if I had called anybody at my church to come do that, that doesn't perform all the time, they would have felt like they had to perform. They would have turned it into a performance. They would have thought the delivery was all about it. Mm -hmm. And, and my job was to communicate the song to let them understand, you know, hear the song, hear the words, why she chose it, why she sang the song and not get in the way of this was her choice, you know? And I think that's, I mean, that's a very extreme example, but a lot of art 
is really that way. I mean, I've recorded songs where the producer said, hey, you need to put a place, something in this bridge of all this. And I would, um, so I would do it and I would finish and he would say, are you going to do it? I said, I think I did it. It's only like six notes, but I think once you mix it, that one little thing that it needed will float out, you know? And a lot of times that's right. You know, it's no different than a conversation where maybe you can talk for an hour or maybe you can sum up what's going on in about six words. And that's why you can get quoted Mm -hmm. because that was all that was required, you know, Mm -hmm. in that moment. So, um, yeah, I definitely think you can, you can get in the way of your own art and contribution by being too loud and over-contributing. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> well, or even the reminder, which I, for, for me, is that if you're, this is going to sound kind of woo-woo, but you, I mean, you tap into art as a flow or a fluid or, I don't know, ether or whatever it is, but it's, um, it's not you like you're part of something bigger and that includes everybody else that's out there actively creating and trying to make things and pull those things together. And so, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't play. I wish I played. I would love to be able to play joy division songs on ukulele or something, but I think that, um, you know, if I did, that's, that's where like the jam band concept comes into play. I mean, we're all one big jam band and you need to know, yeah, you need to know when to play and when to back off and support somebody else and when to, take a smoke break and watch everybody else really go to town and be happy and clap along. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and if, if you're in a club and honky tonk woman starts, you may know it just because of the cowbell at the top and there haven't <laughs> been any lyrics yet. And you haven't heard, you know, Mick start singing none of that you're just hearing that cowbell rock, you know? And, and it's like, well, would that be the same song without that cowbell? No, it wouldn't. You know, so yeah, interesting. Jeff, you know, the show's called Create for No Reason, right? Like Create for No Reason because it's just for the joy of it, just for the creation process. And I love that you said grownups don't like to practice. So for those people that are listening and they're thinking, I I would love to play the piano, I would love to do artwork. I would any kind of creative endeavor and they're thinking it's too late or I'm not creative or any of those pieces. What advice do you give people? Cause I know you believe that creativity matters in business and life everywhere. What advice do you give to people when they have something that they want to pursue and they're just not doing it. They're just letting life get in the way. They're just letting it's, they have their job, they have errands, they have all the things and creativity never takes a, never takes that priority in their life. Well, I I don't know. I don't know how much of this is advice necessarily, because I don't, when I say that, I don't remember the context in which I said it, but it sounds like me. So I believe that I said it. Um, (laughs) Uh, I don't, when I say that it's, it's not limited to creativity. I mean, there's lots of people like I I heard, I heard you say something about, um, how you went through this giant reading thing in your twenties and you were reading everything. Well, there's a lot of people that went to college that never read another book after they were 22 because they didn't have to. Um, there's lots of people that recycle their knowledge of their degree and never make a point to learn something different. Um, I mean, so, so I guess to the idea that, Oh, well, it's too late for me to learn something. The the problem with, with adults and music is that the sense of accomplishment you get when you are eight playing twinkle, twinkle, little star and everybody applauds. You don't get when you're an adult. Because you think that you should be able to play Adele. <laughs> and you don't, and and successfully playing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star does not curl your toes. 
So you don't really feel a sense of accomplishment from that. Now, I think if you learned something, music or carpentry or, you know, any kind of craft, how to build an engine. I mean, anything you learned that is meticulous, that, that required a, a process of, of accumulated knowledge. If you did that at a young age, you will, it's easier to remember as an adult, oh, I can do this because I learned, I remember when I learned this as a kid and I couldn't do that as a kid. And now I can rebuild an engine. Um, the thing that I find so interesting about that are the people that when I talk about them, not wanting to practice, that really applies to everything. I mean, everything we do, we learned how to do everything. I mean, where would we be if, if we were sitting in a crib going, you know, this walking thing, <laughs> I'm going to fall a lot and mom's going to see me fall and that's going to be embarrassing. And, <laughs> you know, and uh, God, what if my dad gets me on the iPhone and posts it on YouTube of me falling <laughs> when I, I mean, seriously, you know, if we, if we ran through our filters at, at, you know, from the beginning, everything that runs through our filters as an adult, and believe me, I fall victim to it. I just try to remember what I'm saying right now, you know, mm -hmm. a way to get out of my own way. I mean, I, I do it, but, um, but yeah, if we were like scared to do anything because we might fail, we would, we would not roll over the first time because we fail the first time. Yeah. So, I mean, that applies to the creative part, certainly, but, um, but I mean, I think it applies to everything. I just think people forget that they have to learn things. Yeah. Learn things, practice things, show up. Oh my gosh, Jeff, you're so wonderful. And I'm so <laughs> grateful that you took some time to hang out with us today. And uh, how about that? I appreciate you having me. How about that bomb there at the end? That was great. Yeah. Like every, everything, everything that we know and everything that we've learned, uh, it's, it's, it's that, well, you just don't recognize it maybe even sometimes, but I, I love that so, 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 so much. I'm so glad that you're, I'm so glad you joined us. I'm so glad Thanks. you joined us. Thanks. It was fun. I didn't know what I was in for, but I, I loved the fact that Kate pretended like I had an option. <laughs> you know, <laughs> That's that was true. That was kind She's of good her. at that. I know yeah, that was kind of her, you know? <laughs> yeah. Imagine doing a podcast with her every week, yeah. every week, every yeah. week. No, I think, <laughs> I think you're, I think you're both in good hands. I've, I've got a lot more episodes to go back and, and, uh, and listen to. So yeah. Uh, Jeff, thank you so much. And yeah, I, I told Jeff that he needs his own podcast. And I know uh, you're talking about doing some some new cool things in your future, helping people and maybe doing some more creative projects. And so I'm we're here for you, however we can support you and help you and, and any of your creative endeavors, because I'm a fan. I think Sean's <laughs> a fan now. I'm a fan. Well, yeah, I'm, and, <laughs> no, go, Sean. Well, we're, I, we're, I, I think we're playing a song here is kind of at the wrap on this. Do we Yeah, know, we're going to end wanna, the show with your song. Intro oh. that for us or let us know what it is. Well, yeah, no, I can. I I mean, that was when we were talking about the subject of of what this is, um, of the, of your what your podcast is, you know, the whole idea of, of creating for the sake of creating. Um, that kind of dictated the song because... Um, I don't, I don't do a lot of, of my own things. I, I make things for other people, but, um, uh, a while back, a good while back, I had some songs that I'd written and put together. And, um, you know, one of them was kind of in a, you know, written from a pretty dark place, which is the one that we're going to listen to. But, um, but I was with a friend 
So, so I went into the studio to record it just as an kind of an energy vent and I recorded them and I finished them and I got a, a Jim Horn played saxophone on it. Who played sax, I think on who's lost that love and feeling for the righteous brothers. And some of my band buddies played on it and it was creatively, it was really fun, but I wasn't trying to pitch it. I wasn't going to release it. I, I, I just wanted to make it right. Mm. So I made it and I never did anything with it. I didn't really play it for people. And I have a good friend who is a graphic designer. He's a documentary filmmaker. He's uh, does a lot of music video stuff for major artists. And he and I are having coffee one day and he says, well, what if you were making music, what would your music be? I mean, if you made something of your own, I don't even know if you make stuff. And I was thinking, crap, I've got that CD in the car and he's my boy. I'm not going to lie to him. Right. 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 So I was like, okay, well, as it happens, I've got these three songs out in the car. So we go out and listen to the three songs and he says, we've got to make a video of that song. The dark, sad, gloomy. I was like, really, really? That's what we have to make. (laughs) But, you know, it's, you know, it's, you know, imagine if, I mean, what kind of music are you into, Sean? I don't even know. It's a, it's, it's across the board. Even when I make fun of the country stuff, you know, it's like, uh, like, uh, Ryan Adams to the Smiths to, Emily Lou Harris, okay. who you were talking about earlier. Okay. Yeah. So, so you, you've done this song and you don't really play, but you'd love to make a recording and you accidentally meet James Taylor and James Taylor says, Hey, if you want to record the song, I'll play it for you. Well, you can't say no. I mean, no. you have to do it. <laughs> so that's what I tried to foist upon myself. So I would get out of my own way. I was like, okay, he's offering to do this. He wants to make this with me. So we'll make it. So we made a video for this song that's on YouTube. It's called Angela's Wings. Um, he posted it to his film site. And um, so we made this project. So it was just musically, the video wise, the whole thing was just an exercise in creating for the sake of creating. So, um, so yeah, so that's the, that's the song that you have. Right on. Well, everybody, this is a special treat. We're excited to play it. And thanks again for being on here. I'm going to look at the video the minute you hang up because it's now pulled up (laughs) and I can see it. I'm really excited. Well, thanks. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Kate. found me in the darkness So scared and alone Surrounded by strangers With no one to call home Her eyes burned right through me And I was never the same And right from the start She held my heart told me her name There's a heavenly angel Wearing Angela's wings And she took me to heaven Showed me beautiful things She taught me what love was She taught me to sing That heavenly small moments and I treasured them all cause I'd waited a lifetime for this one woman's call she made me a believer when I could not believe for the rest of my life I could stand in the light She'd stand by me 
there's a heavenly angel wearing Angela's wings. She took me to heaven, showed me beautiful things. She taught me what love was, and she taught me to sing. Heavenly angel. that was an amazing song by the way the opening of the video uh being all very uh uh bokeh is, is, is that right bokeh now when bokeh. i say bokeh to you i think you're thinking that i'm thinking about like a place to you know date older women but no i'm talking about <laughs> i'm talking about the blurry effect with photos <laughs> bokeh. oh is that called is bokeh? it bokeh bokeh okay i don't know okay Anyways, it's lovely he's on the piano looking very dramatic he's right i, I kind of feel like so many paint i mean uh it was posted in 2011 but it's like oh my gosh this is a rock star i mean the guy's he's a rock played star. over the place and his attitude and the way he sees the world and the way he understands it and one of the things i really really it's a he knows it knows it and i don't want to push on this but i love hearing I love hearing how in people's lives, I don't know if it's, if, if they're just blessed with it or if they did wake up to it or, or what it was, but just that early on, he tasted enough success creatively. And cause he would just say being able to harmonize with the part that was enough success for him. Like just yeah. knowing as like, it was like putting together Legos, right? Oh, like, like, uh, here's the top part of the person for the Legos. Here's his head. Here's his pants. Look at that. I made a person. I'm I'm a genius. There's like those little <laughs> success bits that kept him moving forward that he stayed creative and had that type of uh, uh, that type of encouragement from his uh, from his family. Number one takeaway for you from uh, from Jeff was something that you're going to be like, oh, I'm going to be thinking about this for days, for days, for days. Like I said, when I originally wanted to have him on, I loved I love hearing him talk about the the joy of the work that he does from 
just the joy of experimenting, the joy of finding other people's music and listening to him, the joy of collaborating and helping. And he really does have this very calming, peaceful way about him. And when he talks about the process and he talks about, I I mean, I laugh when he said, you know, it's everything, right? Like it's everything is process and and is practice and practice giving us permission to no matter how old you are to explore and to have fun. And I think that's really the biggest takeaway is that if there's that one thing that you keep talking about doing and you want to explore any piece of creativity, it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, wherever you are in your career, whatever you're working towards, there's always time to spend on your creative passion and see where it goes. Yeah. And that's it. I love it. Everything that we know how to do, we figured out by practicing everything, everything everything that we know how to do. We figured out by practicing. Well, so uh, my vote is that you all learn how to practice uh, writing reviews about this podcast (laughs) and telling your friends about it. We found out that there's a coffee shop owner in Phoenix, Arizona. He's been playing it instead of Muzak or instead of jazz or instead of, I don't know, like hipster alternative music. It's, uh, It's my whiny voice and your sultry voice um, speaking to all of the uh, people there trying to drink their coffee. Uh, Which is the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Our podcast plays at a coffee shop. Yeah, I gotta say like, hello coffee people. If this (laughs) podcast episode does play at your coffee shop, we love you. Enjoy your macchiato. Meanwhile, they're like, turn it off. We don't want to hear this anymore. (laughs) Turn it off. Where's Marilyn Manson? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah, write us a review. Join us on our uh, Facebook group, Create for No Reason. And uh, yeah, anything else I missed there? Kate Bowman? No, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. And go create something.